This is Law Bites, a podcast with Michael Geist. If there's one clear thing that's accompanying the coronavirus, it's the fear of the unknown. With the number of sick people on a constant sharp rise, we never know if we've been near a person carrying the virus, but an Israeli intelligence tool may be able to help us here. We use those measures for the fight against terror, and they may cause a certain breach of privacy. They give us an indication regarding certain people, especially who they were in touch with. It's another tool to detect the enemy, detect the virus. Once a corona patient is detected, his moves can be traced two weeks backwards through cellular technology. And more importantly, so can the details and movements of those who were around him, again, through their cell phone details. With experts warning that the coronavirus pandemic may last well into next year, the urgency of limiting the spread of the virus is sure to increase. Cell phone and social media data will increasingly be viewed as a valuable source of information for public health authorities as they seek to identify outbreaks in communities more quickly, rapidly warn people that they may have been exposed to the virus, or to enforce quarantining orders. The data culled from these sources may prove invaluable, but they raise exceptionally difficult challenges of balancing public health concerns with fundamental privacy rights. Now, many countries have already moved in this direction. For example, Israel has implemented a system that involves the collection and use of cell phone location data to identify at-risk individuals who may receive text messages warning that they need to self-quarantine. That system has been challenged at the Israeli Supreme Court, which last week rejected elements of the plan and established a requirement of Israeli parliament approval for the measures. Just prior to the court's ruling, I spoke with Tel Aviv University law professor Michael Bernhack, as we discuss the details of the measures and the civil liberties and democratic concerns they raise, even at a time of global crisis. Michael, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Hi, Michael. Okay, well, why don't we start first? I want to, of course, get into some of the events that have been taking place in Israel and specifically around cell phone tracking and the like. But first, how are you doing? What's the coronavirus situation in Israel? Well, uh, thank God. Personally, I'm doing okay. But, uh, you know, the situation here, like many other countries, is a lot of uncertainty. Uh, So far, there have been in Israel over 500 people uh, diagnosed with corona, but uh, touch wood, uh, no deaths uh, so far. Uh, and lots of restrictions. Uh, I'm speaking from home where I have been, I think, for almost a week now uh, in sort of self-isolation, semi-regulated by the state, but not really so. Yeah, uh, It sounds somewhat similar to the situation in Canada. I, too, am home and uh, many, many Canadians are staying at home. And that's certainly what people should be doing right now. So, so Israel was quick to establish a number of travel restrictions in response to the coronavirus or COVID-19. I know that there were initially self-quarantine requirements for all arrivals before most other countries. Now the shift, as I understand it, is to go even further uh, in terms of restricting all arrivals. And we're starting to see some other countries do some of those same kinds of things. One of the areas where it's also moved quicker than most has to 
has to do with the use of cell phone data, including location information and contacts, I assume in an effort to identify potential transmission risks. Uh, can you tell me a bit about what's been happening on that front and what law in Israel would permit that kind of uh, usage? Right. So uh, it seems that the Ministry of Health, which is uh, handling this crisis over here, has identified several important uh, interests, public interests uh, and needs uh, in order to you know, deal with this crisis. So other than the health issues, etc., cetera, uh, one of them is uh, tracking uh, sick people who do not know that they are sick. Uh, and that's, that, as we know, is a major issue uh, until people realize that they are sick and until they are tested, uh, they may be meeting many, many other peoples and uh, infecting them as well. So uh, what's going on here is the following. Once a person is diagnosed with corona, uh, so they get whatever medical treatment they need uh, and they undergo an epidemiologic uh, investigation. Uh, they are being asked to, uh, you know, recall where they have been and who they have met for the past 14 days. Uh, with, uh, and the 14 days is based on medical data known at this point uh, that that is the relevant uh, time. Um, obviously, some people, uh, more or less recall, for example, uh, quite a few of those diagnosed in Israel have been traveling in uh, Italy uh, and they, upon returning home, went to self-isolation, uh, so they did minimize contact with other people. But for others, uh, infected by unknown sources uh, or in unknown places, for them, uh, obviously, to recall where exactly have they been, you know, 12 days ago at 5 a.m. or 5 p.m. or whatever. Obviously, in many cases, strangers, so they do not know who the people were. So uh, this is one important need to uh, be able to trace where uh, people have been for the past, four, sick people have been for the past 14 days. Then, whom have they met? Uh, and uh, that's another challenge. What the government has done, the Ministry of Health has done so far, is that it has published on its website and a special Telegram channel that it has um, the, what it knows. So we have uh, sort of daily accounts that, uh, you know, um, uh, sick person number 74 has been here and there uh, at this time, at that time. Many people who have been there uh, do not follow uh, online constantly to see updates uh, about that. And it's, you know, the numbers are so large now that, that it's impossible. So another need is to inform people who may have been close proximity to a sick person uh, that that is the case. But these are the needs identified by the Ministry of Health. And, you know, I, I'm not a physician, I'm not a doctor, so I have to trust them that this is the case, is how to do that. Um, and here I'm afraid that they have chosen the worst option possible. Uh, what the government has done is that it has issued on Sunday night uh, special regulations, emergency regulations, uh, which will provide health about the whereabouts of sick people 
as identified by the Ministry of Health. The Ministry of Health informs the GSS uh, that uh, a sick person, th these are the details of, this, of a sick person, including his or her phone number. The GSS tracks that person and his or her whereabouts in the past 14 days. In addition, what they do, the GSS tracks whoever else was in the proximity of the sick person and sends that information also back to the Ministry of Health and issues or sends a text message, an SMS, to all those that have been in proximity. It took them a few days, but uh, yesterday, so on Wednesday, uh, first text messages were sent to 400 people saying, uh, dear so-and-so, uh, we believe that you have been in the proximity of a sick person, Please, you know, follow the instructions and then some medical instructions uh, what to do in such a situation. Um, as we are speaking, um, there have been at least three uh, petitions to the Supreme Court as a, as a direct uh, first instance. Um, and these are being heard as we are speaking. So, so thanks so much for that, Michael. That, let me just unpack what you had to say because there was a lot there. Um, as I understand it, so the Ministry of Health starts by trying to deal directly with people that have been diagnosed with uh, coronavirus to identify who they've been in contact with over the prior two weeks. But given the fallibility of people's memories, they're now moved to this next step of using cell phone data to identify both who they've been directly contacted with, but even people that they may not even know that happen to be in the same general location or vicinity. Is that, is that how broad this, this actually goes? It seems so. Uh, one of the challenges that we face with uh, these uh, emergency regulations is that, you know, they say a bit, but uh, some of the details are uh, further regulated in, uh, guess what, secret uh, additional order or procedure or policy or whatever. By the way, the emergency regulations speak of technological data uh, and the, there's a definition which says technological data, but for the content of the conversation. So it seems that we are speaking about location data, but who knows, it may be even further, but we do not know. Uh, it's quite broad and vague uh, in, in, you know, taking it into constitutional terms. Okay. And those, those, wow, that's, that's exceptionally broad. Those first 400 text messages that went out as the, the very first use of this kind of, of this new tool. So presumably those people received them notified that they have been in proximity with someone who'd been diagnosed with coronavirus and then advised that they need to self-isolate given that they are at a higher risk. Exactly. Uh, Self-isolate, and if they have one of the following symptoms, uh, so they should call, uh, you know, uh, the health services and follow the instructions. Um, now, you know, uh, uh, I said earlier that this is the, the, the worst option that the government has chosen. Uh, I do trust them in this uh, sense, uh, and the needs are, are real. Uh, however, the, the way... Uh, that's where I have uh, some problems with that. Um, uh, more than three weeks ago, I contacted the Israeli Ministry of Health, uh, offered my services, and suggested that um, we 
that they convene a discussion. I offered my services and a few of my friends from computer science, and I explained what is privacy by design. Uh, and I think that uh, they simply did not take a privacy by design approach, and they should have. For example, uh, instead of designing the current system as they did, I think they should have done it the other way around. For example, uh, what I mean by that is that the Ministry of Health, uh, once it knows of a sick person and conducts an inquiry with that person about his or her whereabouts in the past 14 days, once the Ministry of Health knows about that, the Ministry can contact the cell phone companies, inform them of that, and the cell phone companies can do, you know, they already have the location data of everybody, and they can then be like, you know, uh, deliver the message downstream. What the Ministry of Health has done with the emergency regulations is the other way around, that all the information goes to the Ministry of Health, which then delivers uh, the messages to, to the people. Uh, I think my suggestion, suggestion, you know, it also has obviously some challenges, but it minimizes the risks uh, to, to privacy. Is this a, a specific regulation dealing with the coronavirus concern, or are these rules that date back some time that have been now effectively or essentially adapted or adopted for these new purposes? Uh, so these are um, uh, the emergency regulations are an extreme measure, very rarely taken in Israel. Uh, it, according to one of our basic laws, the basic law of government, which is, we have a strange constitutional structure, but composed of basic laws. Uh, and uh, one of them authorizes the government to issue emergency regulations in times of emergency. So this is a time of emergency, uh, subject to one of the parliament, the Knesset's uh, committee's approval. Uh, and for a limited time, it should be no longer than three months. Uh, these regulations, by the way, were issued for 14 days only. Uh, obviously, the government can uh, renew them and reissue them. Um, and we have another basic law, which uh, privacy is a fundamental human right, but it's subject, it is subject to a limitation clause, uh, which enables emergency uh, steps to override it if proportional. So um, um, there are two, two issues here which are discussed were discussed in the Supreme Court uh, uh, today. I just got notice that the discussion has ended and no decision yet. Uh, the one is the, the process, the legal and constitutional issues that you know about the process. Uh, and there's a further complication here that I will explain in a second. And then, um, you know, the issue of proportionality. It's obvious that the, the you know, the purpose is uh, legitimate, uh, legitimate aim, uh, to use European terms. Uh, and it's all about the, the means and uh, whether, you know, a least restrictive uh, measure was chosen, etc. All of this crisis, the corona crisis, coincides with a major, major constitutional crisis that we have here. Over the last year, Israel has had three elections to uh, parliament. Um, the most recent one um, at the beginning of March. There is no new government yet. Um, the president has uh, asked 
Knesset, a newly elected Knesset member, uh, Benny Gantz, uh, from the Blue and White Party, to form a government to try. Uh, he's been trying to do that. And the reason the Knesset has not convened is, guess what? Coronavirus. So uh, there is no parliamentary uh, checks at this point. Uh, the government can do, can use as it has emergency uh, measure. The only other functioning uh, branch of government is the court. And it was a strange, I saw photos from the discussion today and each sat, uh, I think from the photos, it seemed like five or 10 meters away from each other. Our parliament is also right now closed, although it's likely to be reconvened shortly to try to address some new legislation and at a time when it's difficult, of course, to bring parliamentarians together, uh, given some of the same risks that arise. Uh, just, I, I just wanted to make sure to uh, give one other piece that I understand and then drill down a little bit on on some of the, the legal issues and the stuff before the Supreme Court. And that is that this is exclusively with telecom providers. Is that right? Because so often when we've talked about surveillance, the focus has has at least lately been on social media companies, search companies, of course, the Facebooks and Googles of the world. But it sounds like in this case, um, it's old school a little bit where it's the telecom providers themselves that sometimes have the most sensitive data, although they haven't been the target of as much discussion lately when we talk about this kind of sensitive information. It seems likely that this is the source because uh, they are local Israeli companies. They are regulated. They operate under a license. Uh, and the Israeli Communications Act has a special arrangement for uh, uh, data delivery from those companies to uh, the security services for national security purposes. This is uh, the source of uh, the data. One of my major concerns with uh, this issue of uh, using the General Security Service uh, to handle and assist in dealing with the corona crisis is the collapse of contexts. Uh, the corona crisis is a health crisis, and using a security service uh, with its security tools, uh, etc., is uh, a conflation or collapse of contexts. Concern is what will happen the day after uh, once we get rid of this corona, Uh, let's hope this will be sooner rather than later. Um, Will we remain with the general security civil issues? Uh, I don't think this is right from a, you know, democratic point of view. Yeah, no, that, that, I mean, I think you highlight a really important point there. That that actually, I think, distills out several of the issues once you move in this direction. And I guess I wanted to quickly hit on each. First off, you mentioned that this is for a limit of 14 days, but I guess one of the concerns is it keeps getting extended. And even beyond that, once this becomes a little bit the new normal, if hopefully once this coronavirus issue passes, some of these same kinds of tools may be used regularly, presumably for other purposes. Indeed, that's a concern, you know, because, uh, you know, all of this is, it, it's an, it is a genuine emergency situation. So people are willing to compromise you know, their daily lives, their liberties. It takes time to resume to normality if there is such a thing. Uh, it's a social construct. Uh, and that is a major concern that once we resume, some things will, will stay. Uh, kind of in, in my thinking of this issue, I'm thinking of a 9-11 sort of situation. Uh, 9-11 obviously was a tragic, terrible, major event. Uh, 
the measures that followed, you know, obviously were necessary for a while. I'm thinking, for example, of the USA Patriot Act. They were necessary for a while, but, you know, long-term um, uh, impact uh, on our democratic quality of life, on our civil rights, on our human rights. Do we know how long the data is kept for? So you mentioned it's being transferred over to the government. How long do they retain this data? So uh, according to the emergency regulation, GSS, uh, the General Security Service, should not retain the data. It should pass it over to the Ministry of Health, which should retain the data for uh, on each patient for 14 days only uh, and then delete it. The emergency regulations allow the Ministry of Health to keep the data for an additional 60 days, but not for the initial purpose of locating uh, sick people, but for internal uh, inquiries to, you know, for, for studies and learning what went wrong or when, what went right, etc., for sort of uh, internal uh, feedback uh, purposes rather than for the original uh, purpose, which is narrowly defined, uh, that that is a good thing. It's narrowly defined, defined only for locating uh, the sick people, and with a clear prohibition on using the data for any other uh, purpose. Okay, so it's good to hear that there are some of those limitations. What oversight exists, uh, either after the fact with audits or in real time, to ensure that? Uh, that, that the data isn't misused or used in ways that the law doesn't otherwise contemplate? So uh, the regulations contain a criminal offense for anyone who has access to the data and misuses it uh, with a penalty of up, up to three years in prison. Uh, so, you know, that is one sort of uh, check. Uh, there are internal uh, um, transparency mechanisms, but they're internal, they're not transparent. Uh, the Ministry of Health should report to the Attorney General uh, about the use of uh, these uh, regulations, and that's it. No judicial oversight, but, you know, uh, uh, I trust the Supreme Court, uh, which has just concluded its uh, hearing and will probably issue a decision within the next hours or at most tomorrow, I assume. Uh, and once we have a functioning parliament, hopefully next week, uh, maybe not yet a new government, but a functioning parliament, uh, the Knesset members, many of them have indicated that they require, you know, their uh, parliamentary uh, oversight. But we are not yet there. Okay. So it sounds like this has, has moved very, very quickly, as, as so many governments are. But uh, in an effort to, in a sense, catch up, we've got a Supreme Court decision, perhaps will be out by the time this podcast airs. And then beyond that, we should start seeing Parliament reassert some of its authority to ensure that the, the rules that, that create the boundaries around how this can be used come from Parliament rather than without some of the kinds of approvals that one would normally expect. Indeed, indeed, this is the case. Okay. All right. Well, that, that's at least encouraging in, in terms of the sense of, of that response. Uh, <laughs> well, but it's, it's hard to be encouraged, I guess, at this particular moment where you know, people are, of course, rushing headlong into, into solutions during a, a real moment of crisis, as you've mentioned. And some of the, the necessary safeguards, oversight and limitations may be overlooked uh, as we move so quickly in that regard. Let's hope that the virus is gone sooner and, you know, and uh, 
that we will overcome this and manage to resume normal lives and constitutional sense. Yeah, let's hope so. Michael, th- thanks, uh, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Michael. Take care. That's the Law Bites podcast for this week. If you have comments, suggestions, or other feedback, write to lawbites at pobox.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at lawbitespod or Michael Geist at mgeist. You can download the latest episodes from my website at michaelgeist.ca or subscribe via RSS at Apple Podcast, Google, or Spotify. The Law Bites podcast is produced by Gerardo LeBron LeBoy. Music by the LeBoy brothers, Gerardo and Jose LeBron LeBoy. Credit information for the clips featured in this podcast can be found in the show notes for this episode at michaelgeist.ca. I'm Michael Geist. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Mm-hmm.